You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. Today, we're going to be continuing some of our discussions with our state partners, state waterfowl biologist type folks, and we're going to hear about some some results from a recent midwinter waterfowl survey. We're also going to get another update on kind of how the hunting season is, has gone. This time, we're going to be going to the Atlantic Flyway, specifically up to Delaware. I'm happy to welcome in a friend of mine and our guest for this episode, Dr. Justin Foth. Justin, welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Mike. Yeah, so I want to start out by giving you an opportunity to tell people who you are and, you know, a little bit about your personal and professional background and then what you do for the state of Delaware. What I failed to do here at the outset is introduce you as the Waterfowl, Turkey and Upland Game Bird Program Leader for the state of Delaware. But uh, so as you go through this, kind of tell us a bit about what you do in that position. But first, some of your professional background. All right. Um, I am originally from Missouri. Uh, I did undergrad at the University of Missouri-Columbia. Um, then I did my master's and PhD at Mississippi State University uh, and finished that in 2016. And since then, I have been in this position with the state of Delaware. As you said, I uh, manage waterfowl, turkeys, and all upland game birds. Uh, so for that, I um, am the research coordinator. I assist in setting season limits and bag limits. I represent Delaware at the Atlantic Flyway Council Technical Section, uh, which is part of the entity that goes into creating regulations. I represent a number of other um, technical sections like the Eastern Management Unit for Doves, um, Woodcock, Pheasant, the National Wild Turkey Federation. Uh, working here in Delaware, we're a small state, so we wear many hats which has provided me the opportunity to work on a whole bunch of different species, which I've really enjoyed. Yeah. Thank you, Justin. Uh, we've had a series of episodes here this year on the history of waterfowl harvest management. And we've talked at length about the flyway administrative system, how a lot of the decisions on harvest regulations are informed by discussions within that flyway system. Uh, and folks such as yourself participate in those discussions and are the the state the, the state representatives in those discussions. So just kind of wanted to make some of those connections. You're that person for the state of Delaware and um, I appreciate you joining us here because we wanted to talk uh, about a couple of things as I introduced. Uh, one is a midwinter survey update. Your your state does conduct uh, a survey. And then as we get towards the end, we'll do a bit of a season recap. Uh, so I, I guess, Justin, let's jump right in here. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to tell us about these surveys that, that you conduct. You know, what kind are they? How frequently are they conducted? We've heard from other state waterfowl biologists throughout the past year and a half, basically on the type of surveys that they conduct to periodically get, get some handle 
handle on the distribution and abundance of waterfowl in their state. So tell us kind of what goes on in the state of Delaware in that regard. So the Midwinter Waterfowl Survey has been conducted since 1955. Uh, Delaware joined in 1975, um, but the history of our aerial waterfowl survey started that October before, so October 1974. Um, we use a small Cessna 172 fixed-wing aircraft that uh, flies quarter-mile transects along the eastern border of our state, all the way from uh, Wilmington south uh, to the Atlantic Ocean. Um, Delaware has what we call inland bays. So there's a number of large bays uh, that abut the Atlantic Ocean. Um, we don't do aerial transects across them because uh, the single engine plane can make it dangerous. So we actually do perimeter surveys of those. Um, they're con conducted once monthly from October to January. As I said earlier, the January flight coincides with the midwinter waterfowl survey. Uh, it's a nationwide survey effort in areas of major concentrations of waterfowl on their wintering grounds to provide winter distribution and habitat affiliations. The survey also serves as the primary source of data on population trends for some species that breed in remote Arctic locations and thus are difficult to survey using traditional survey methods. So for the Atlantic Flyway, uh, the species that we survey primarily during the midwinter survey is the Atlantic brant and tundra swans. Um, we use those numbers then to go into different harvest packages for both species. Justin, I, I now wanted to ask you for a bit of clarification on the transect coverage. And if you said this, I just missed it. Uh, what, what type of coverage are we looking at? Um, you obviously don't at least I don't think you conduct these surveys across the entire geography of the state, these transects. So what I'm guessing they're focused on the the most important waterfowl habitats. And is it restricted to state areas or do you cover state and some private areas and or and federal areas? What's the the coverage of these surveys? Being Delaware, again, as a small state, uh, we actually can almost cover the whole state in the two-day survey. Uh, Delaware is broken up into 11 different survey zones that go all the way to the Pennsylvania-Delaware-Maryland border in the north. Um, and we use these uh, quarter-mile transects up there in the more urban part of Delaware. Um, we just target uh, waterfowl hotspots, which are usually subdivision ponds, um, state and local parks, uh, the major rivers that are up there, which is the Delaware River, the Brandywine River. Um, but then from the bottom two thirds of Delaware, so Delaware has three counties. Um, it's mostly the eastern half of the state. Highway one runs almost down the middle of the state from north to south until you get kind of way south in Delaware. And then it um, has a more easterly direction. Uh, then we traverse back and forth on those east-west transects from the Delaware Bay or the Atlantic Ocean. Um, all of our aerial waterfowl survey stuff uh, can be found on our uh, website. We have an aerial waterfowl survey webpage. And since 2017, I've put all of our current and historical aerial waterfowl survey data online on the Department of Natural Resources and Environmental Control's open data portal. To date, these data have been viewed 3,393 times and downloaded 451 times. 
interesting. Yeah, I did go online and and kind of explore some of those, some of the data and the data set, the database that you have. And so that looks pretty cool. Uh, folks can go there and, and explore the data themselves if they want to. I would also encourage people, as I do occasionally, if you're not familiar with Delaware, Google Earth is a great resource for, for, uh, for, for allowing you to learn about the geography and, and find some of the areas that that Justin has talked about and that we're likely to hear about as we go here, as we go through the survey results. So let's move into that, Justin. We may back up and come, uh, come back and talk about some, some areas again and some other aspects of the survey, but uh, give us a summary of what you found this January and how does it compare uh, kind of long-term? Being we have those online data portals, you can actually visualize uh, all the data in graphs as uh, part of it. So um, I briefly did this this morning. Um, looking at duck numbers, uh, they are similar overall to those observed last year in the last couple years. Uh, most duck estimates were greater than previous years, uh, with the exception of northern pintails, American widgeon, and buffleheads. Were they lower? Were those spe three species lower than past years? Lower than last year, but about average overall. Um, I looked at mallards because mallards are kind of a hot topic in the Atlantic Flyway right now. Um, I estimate nearly twice as many mallards as last year, but levels are consistent with observations since the early 2000s. It's something of note. Mallard numbers peaked in the 1970s um, and then had a subsequent sharp decline in the 1980s going from almost 300,000 down to about seven or 8,000. Justin, where are some of the hot spots for, uh, for the ducks in your state, ducks or geese in your state? Uh, obviously, it's going to, uh, well, I say obviously, I'm, I suspect it's going to be along the, along the coast in some of those bays and estuaries. Are there any particular areas that historically stand out and were there some that surprised you this year in particular? All right. Uh, we have two national wildlife refuges along the Delaware Bay. The northern one is Bombay Hook National Wildlife Refuge. It's outside of Dover. Uh, I believe it's about 15,000 acres of a mix of salt marsh habitat, woods, impoundments, and upland fields. Um, and then the more southern National Wildlife Refuge is Prime Hook National Wildlife Refuge. And it is a mix of salt marsh, uh, upland habitats. Uh, at one, well, prior to 2012 and Hurricane Sandy, it had the largest freshwater impoundment in the eastern United States at, I believe, 4,000 acres. But uh, Hurricane Sandy breached the levee and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service was not able to recreate the freshwater impoundment uh, because of the uh, NEPA process or um, wanted them to revert it back to uh, historical natural habitats, which were salt marsh. So outside of those two National Wildlife Refuges, um, where where would you find some of the other greatest concentrations? and? What about private land specifically? And I'm kind of exposing my limited knowledge of of the wetlands and waterfowl habitats of Delaware. I'm just kind of genuinely curious. Do you have a lot of private land that supports waterfowl in that area, or is it going to be mostly federal, state, and then some of the open uh, open bay areas? Delaware Bay Shore, so the eastern border of Delaware, 
Um, is, there are abundant state wildlife areas. Um, it's surprising that almost all of that eastern bay shore is protected, either through state or federal or easements. Um, number of our wildlife areas are Augustine, Cedar Swamp, Woodland Beach, Little Creek, Ted Harvey, and Milford Neck. Um, and then to address your private land, uh, so inland of those state and federal areas um, is typically agriculture. Delaware still has a very prominent agricultural base. It's actually still our uh, number one product behind tourism and tourism follows. Um, so those landowners that have agricultural production in the spring and summer, uh, many of them have uh, impoundments for waterfowl or goose hunting in the fall and winter. Another thing that people often think about when they, uh, when the Northeastern U.S., Delaware, Maryland, Virginia, some of these areas come to mind are the bay systems that you talked about already. And uh, those areas are going to be very, very important for some of our diving ducks and sea ducks. How are those, uh, how do those show up in your surveys? I guess, you know, in terms of numbers, what are we talking about? Are we talking tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands? What do the numbers look like there? And what are some of the more important or more abundant diving ducks and sea ducks that you encounter on the survey? All right. Um, so Delaware's eastern border is the Delaware Bay. Uh, it Part of Delaware also falls into the Chesapeake Bay watershed. Um, we don't really have lots of uh, diving ducks in Delaware because they prefer those freshwater uh, wetland plants and most of our bays are very saline. Um, we also have three what we call inland bays. So there's Rehoboth Bay in the north, Indian River Bay and Assawoman Bay in the south. Um, those are primarily uh, sea duck habitat and Atlantic Brant habitat. Um, those birds are not picked up as often in our surveys, at least in the Delaware Bay, because we don't fly out over the bay with our aircraft. We kept pick them up on turns as we turn and do a next transect. Uh, during years when there's lots of ice in either of the bays, the birds usually stack up against the shore and then get counted. We've had um, estimates of black and surf scoters in the 20 or 30,000 range some years when the Delaware Bay is mostly iced over. Uh, the inland bays are great habitat for buffleheads and Atlantic brant. And then the Atlantic Ocean has a handful of eiders and mostly uh, black and surf scoters and Atlantic brant. Give me a sense, if you could, Justin, of the number of dabbling ducks, let's say, that you would have picked up on your survey. Uh, and, and again, this is just, are, are we talking 10,000? Are we talking 100,000? Are we talking quarter million? I have no idea. <laughs> I, mean, I, I said I went and looked at the database, but the numbers aren't coming to me right now. What kind of what magnitude of numbers are we seeing in terms of dabbling ducks on these surveys? And what are some of the more abundant species uh, that you would encounter on those surveys? I did pull up a graph of this. Uh, typically, our dabbling ducks um, range anywhere from about 30 to 70,000 uh, statewide. Uh, the last 10 years or so, it's hovered right around 30,000 individuals. And do and you get a lot of black ducks on that survey? Or uh, I'm, I would guess it. I would yeah, guess they're our second most abundant duck. Uh, mallards are our first, black ducks. American black ducks are our second, uh, then green winged teal and northern pintail round up. You and your dog are a team. 
Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. The top four. Justin, I want to move now to talk about sort of the habitat conditions and what you might have seen this year. And this is where we will start to transition to somewhat of a season recap for for Delaware. How how has the season gone? But in terms of habitat conditions, uh, you've talked about some of the private land that you have inland. You've also talked about some of the estuaries and some of the bays. Estuaries and the bays, unless you're in an extreme drought, which I don't know how often that would even happen in the northeastern states to affect uh, water levels and habitat conditions there in the bays and estuaries, uh, but just give me a sense of this entire uh, system here. How much of it is, how much of the of the bays and estuaries are dependent upon habitat conditions that may vary throughout winter? Uh, and then, uh, then inland, obviously, that's going to depend a bit on precipitation. So how have things played out this year in terms of habitat conditions for your state? Your state? All right. Uh, so in the mid-Atlantic here, uh, we don't get the heavy freezes that last a long time, say, places north of here. Uh, Those estuary habitats, you're right, they are mostly open because they are tidal. Um, But when ice builds up, that can really um, reduce habitat area because these estuaries are full of what are called Delmarva bays. So um, think of a playa or a prairie pothole wetland. Delaware is very flat. So they're um, across the peninsula. There are these um, playas that are called Delmarva marva bays and in agricultural fields hunters typically convert those into their uh duck impoundments being they're low lying and they hold water in the winter and they plant corn through it um in the salt marsh and in the woods and natural areas um they're shallow ephemeral wetlands when it gets cold they're the first to freeze which forces most of those ducks onto the larger impoundments on our state and federal areas or into the tidal creeks and rivers. So how has this year shaped up for you in terms of temperature? You've kind of mentioned this already, uh, I think, but I want to kind of recap this and then kind of move into how all that has played out to influence uh, waterfowl numbers and hunter success. So um, how have have those habitats fared this year? Uh, This year, we've had a lot of rain. We still have a number of agricultural producers that haven't been able to get their crops out of the field. Uh, namely soybeans. Uh, But as for temperatures, it has not been extremely cold to the north of us. And uh, we had a strong push in October. Uh, October was very cooler than November. Uh, November was unseasonably warm. And then uh, early December, we had a good push of birds. And since about Christmas, we have not really seen a new uh, push of birds. Uh, there are two cold fronts coming through this week, the first being tonight and the next one Sunday night. So hopefully this last week of duck hunting will bring new birds for um, Delaware's hunters. The message that you shared there, at least kind of how you summarize the season, is so similar to many other states and state biologists with whom we've spoke this year. Cold in October, uh, brought in a lot of birds, unseasonably cold in, in, uh, in October, and then it warmed up in November and December and stagnated 
and we just haven't had much uh, much weather, whether it be cold temperatures, extended cold temperatures, or even widespread abundant rainfall to put new habitat out there on the ground that would have caused these birds to change their routine. It has been it's been a real struggle, certainly down here, and it was interesting to hear that same pattern, almost exactly that same pattern has been affecting Delaware hunters as well. Uh, and so it sounds like you've kind of touched on one of the other things that I was going to ask you, and that is what are the type of weather patterns that you look for to, um, to, to get you excited as a, as a duck hunter, as a waterfowl hunter and cold temperatures, temperatures to the North seems like a key ingredient to that, right? Yes. Um, and then for some species like snow geese, cause we have abundant greater snow geese here, uh, they actually migrate with the phases of the moon. So we'll get new flushes of them typically during full moons. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, how has the, how have all these factors combined to, to affect the Delaware hunting season uh, to the extent that you understand it based on your conversations with hunters, your personal experiences of field, your conversations with friends and any, anyone else that may be, may have been out trying to chase ducks and geese this year. What has the season been like in response to some of the patterns that you've talked about? Um, so being October was cooler than normal. Uh, our hunters had a great first uh, split. Delaware has three different uh, splits. We have one that runs the last week of October and first week of November. Um, then with temperatures warming up in November, uh, our Thanksgiving split was still had birds around. Um, I've had mixed reviews. Some of my friends who hunt public lands have had the best season of their life and others both public or private, just keep texting me asking, where are the ducks? Again, that's the exact same message that we've heard from many other places and that some people say best year I've, I've had in, in since I, as long as I can remember, others um, are struggling to even scratch out a duck. Uh, it has been remarkably variable. Uh, it seems like more so than normal. It's always variable. Uh, that, that is the one thing that you can count on. Some people are going to do well and some people are going to do poor, but this year it seems that that variation has been extreme. Um, what about, uh, I know we were talking a bit before we recorded here, you informed me that Delaware has a statewide tundra swan season. What can you tell me about that? I found that interesting, so I want to hear a bit more. All right. Um, so Delaware is the third state in the Atlantic Flyway to enter into a tundra swan hunting season. Uh, it initiated in the 2019-2020 season. Um, so this is our second season. Uh, we are currently in an experimental phase. Uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service makes any new hunting season for migratory birds experimental for three years before authorizing a full season. Um, next season, the 2021-2022 season will be our third year um, of data collection for this experimental season. Uh, we... I've uh, worked out with Virginia and North Carolina, who are the other two hunting states, uh, method for equitably distributing permits. So it, kind of tying back to the midwinter inventory, it's all based on the proportion of swans we see in the midwinter over a three-year average. Delaware makes up 1.2% of the total, North Carolina carrying the lion's share. Um, so that means we get... Um, either 84 or 67 permits for this three-year period, depending on the total number of tundra swans, 84 being um, when tundra swans are overabundant and reach the next hunt package, uh, 67 is what uh, we typically had. So um, last year we got 84 because swans were overabundant in 2018 and 19. 
and pushed into that next uh, hunt package this year and next year we will we will both be in 67 birds. What is the total number of permits across those three states? Do you have that number handy, Justin? Across. So when it's expanded, it's 12,000 permits across all tundra uh, swan hunting states. Those include those in the Central and Pacific Flyway. And um, during a standard season, it's 9,600. So when it's expanded, it's expanded an extra 25% and then reduced 20%. Okay, so that's 9,600 to 12,000, and that's across all states that allow a tundra swan hunting season, right? Yep. So, yeah, North Carolina has about 6,200 permits. Uh, Virginia has 800, and Delaware has 67 for the Atlantic Flyway share. People interested in learning how the permit system works can uh, go online, I'm sure, to your respective or any of those states and kind of figure out what they need to do to apply for one of those permits. But Justin, wrapping up here, anything else that you'd like to share with the regarding results from the midwinter survey or results from anything else you saw or just any other comments in general to uh, to waterfowl hunters there in, in the region? Um, uh, something we didn't touch on is, uh, so being I'm a transplant here in Delaware, Delaware doesn't allow Sunday hunting. Um, I guess it stems from those old blue laws. Uh, but coming from Mississippi, uh, where there is Sunday hunting, I thought it was, it was kind of different. But there's a number of states in the Atlantic Flyway that don't allow Sunday hunting for migratory birds. It, it, we still have a 60-day season, but the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service uh, gives us uh, comp days. So that 60-day season minus the seven uh, Saturdays essentially gives us an almost extra week of hunting that we can tack on at the beginning or the end. Okay, so they compensate you for the uh, the rule against Sunday hunting is is what you're saying there. I did not know that. It, it's great if you're traveling to hunt because then you don't waste a day. Um, the, I typically tell my friends and family to hunt or to travel on Sundays because then they can either hunt the week before or the week after. Yeah, so I guess that is a silver lining, uh, being able to travel on Sunday and not being not having to to miss a a day of hunting. So thank you for sharing that bit of information. That's something I wasn't really aware of. Justin, thank you for taking the time to join us here and sharing some of the results from a recent midwinter survey and also educating me about some of the other unique aspects of uh, waterfowl habitats, waterfowl hunting there in the state of Delaware. I look forward to getting up there someday and uh, maybe uh, maybe hanging out with you. Uh, so again, Justin, thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us here on the Ducks Unlimited podcast. Thank you, Mike, for having me. A special thanks to our guest on today's episode, Dr. Justin Foth, waterfowl, turkey, and upland game bird program leader for the Delaware Division of Fish and Wildlife. We greatly appreciate his time and joining us here on the podcast. As always, we thank our producer, Clay Baird, for the great work he does on this podcast. And to you, the listener, we thank you for your time and we thank you for your support, passion, and commitment to wetlands and waterfowl conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. 
Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.